How great is it that we have a worship team who can function and actually do well without their leader? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. Well, good morning again. I'm, I'm uh, Lee Alexander. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, Trey, our, our fearless leader, is, is taking a, some deserved time off today and uh, a couple of days this week. And so um, we, we're excited for him to come back next week and wrap up this uh, Jesus-shaped life sermon series for us. Um, so if you remember back to the first sermon of this series, Trey talked about the impact and the power that media and advertisement has on our lives, probably more than we'd like to admit. And he shared the story of his son with Leo. As soon as he heard the word empire, he thought of that jingle, 588-2300 empire, right? But to me, the best one and maybe y'all guys, y'all disagree, but I think the best is the Folgers song, right? Best part of waking up is Folgers in your car. I mean, it's just got that, that ring to it. It's got that pizzazz. Um, to me, that's the pinnacle of the jingles. But when he was talking about that, I, I was reminded of a real life story in my own personal life that, that kind of showed me the power that advertisement has uh, in our lives. So let's uh, back up. It's 2007. And I'm in college, and I'm rooming with uh, my buddy Slade Warren. You guys know him. He's up in the booth each week making things happen that shouldn't happen and just making everything go smoothly. And uh, so we're roommates, and we're, we're with our uh, friend Lee Whitwell. He was rooming with us as well. And uh, so we didn't know this, but our friend Whitwell had had a lively debate with his mom the morning of, and he was trying to convince her in this debate that our generation, because we've grown up with commercials and we've had this constant like just shouts of adver uh, advertisement to us at you know from such an early age because of all that maybe our generation is a little bit more immune to the power of advertisement than maybe previous generations were and his mom you know being wise she was like no i think we're all a little bit more susceptible than we realize so he had had this debate with his mom we didn't know about this conversation later that night the three of us were sitting on the couch watching tv and an Arby's commercial comes on. And man, I'm telling you, that roast beef sandwich looks so good with the cheese sauce and all that. And so I said something like, man, that looks good. And Slade said, want to get some? I said, yep. And we jumped, we jumped in the car and drove off. And Whitwell was just kind of left there like, what just happened? I'm so <laughs> we just kind of left him in the dust of his wrongness. And... Uh, so even though you may not be as susceptible to fast food commercials as me and Slade, uh, I think we're all still more affected than we realize. And uh, media really shapes our lives, but most of all, it shapes how we think. And how we think is truly how we live. Our thought life becomes our life. It's the single greatest influence on everything about us. Our decisions, our mental health, our faith, our morals, everything comes from our mind. And an important truth that I believe Jesus wants us to know this morning is that a Jesus-shaped life requires a Jesus-shaped mind. So today, I just want to spend a little bit of time unpacking some scripture, what, what scripture maybe has to say uh, about the, our mind and the impact that thoughts have on our lives. Uh, but before we start, I'd love for us to just be vulnerable and honest with each other for a minute. Mental health is a real issue for many of us uh, even in the church, Christians are not immune to, to mental health issues. And so I wonder if you'd just be vulnerable and honest enough with me to just say, I, in some point in my life, have had a mental health struggle. Yeah. 
Amen. Thank y'all. I'm raising my hand high. Listen, I've talked about how I struggle with anxiety and depression, and it's just kind of a part of my life. And and so I, I think um, I think it's more pervasive, and I think it's it's more common than we'd like to admit. I appreciate you guys being honest with me on that. And I truly believe that our mind is a battlefield uh, for our identity, for our value, for our purpose, for our overall just well-being and peace. So I hope that we that we talk about, I've got three steps for us that we can take to position ourselves for success in our minds on this pursuit of a Jesus-shaped life. Let's, before we jump in, though, let's pray. God, I thank you so much, again, for every person who's here. Lord, I, I believe in divine appointments. And Lord, I know that they could have been anywhere else today, but they chose to be here. And so, God, I, I thank you. Lord, I pray that you would honor that time. Lord, just speak to us in a new and refreshing way. Lord, show us something new from your scriptures, from your word. Lord, may I may the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, God, and the words of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this first step I've called be aware. Step one is being aware. Becoming self-aware is a crucial step in thinking more like Jesus thinks. And we've gotta be continually doing an assessment of how we're thinking and how we're feeling, and it's so important. And I've got this little chart here. It's not really a chart, but it's kind of this process. Did you know that thoughts precede feelings? Did you know that, because sometimes we think that feelings dictate our thoughts, our emotions come first and then our thoughts happen based on those emotions, but it's actually the opposite. So we have a situation that happens in our lives, maybe a trauma of some kind, or maybe it's just an interaction, kind of an everyday interaction. We have a situation, we have a thought about that situation or perception, we have a feeling, and then that feeling dictates our behavior. And so it's important to be kind of aware of what's going on in our minds, going on in our hearts. And a a psalm that I regularly, almost daily, remind myself of is Psalm 43, 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You see, the psalmist is self-assessing, right? He's being aware. He's saying, okay, what am I feeling? Okay, I'm feeling discouraged. Why am I feeling discouraged? Why, why am I feeling sad? Oh, it's because I've put my hope in things other than God. And there's a deep truth here that we need to take hold of, church, that says when we allow our situations to dictate how we're feeling and how we're doing and how we're functioning, it's a red flag pointing to the fact that we have put our hope in things other than God. We're getting caught up in responsibilities and priorities, and we're getting so caught up in the chaos of life, and we we need to reevaluate and reassess and say, okay, I'm disappointed about this. Oh, it's because I haven't, I put my hope in my own abilities and my own experience and my own functions. I'm putting my hope in things other than God. So that's a, ver- that's a psalm that's uh, been powerful for me and hopefully for you too. Also, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm gonna need y'all to interact with me today, all right? We're gonna, this is a, this is a conversation, not a monologue. And so maybe, maybe you are like me. I grew up thinking that our thoughts are just kind of what they are. We have not really much control over our thoughts, okay? And, uh, and 
you know, we kind of hope to encourage the good thoughts and maybe suppress the bad ones. Uh, but truly, that's kind of a, a bad scenario there. And we see here that Paul is calling the Christian to something higher that psychologists now understand to be true that scripture spoke years ago. We have the capability to fully control our own thoughts. We can say we can take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, please know I'm not a psychologist, but I've done a lot of research and I've been in a lot of therapy. And so I uh, do, do feel confident about the things that I'm talking about today. Did you know that in something called CBS, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Science, they've learned that our thoughts produce something called neural pathways. And in those neural pathways, I, I like to think about it like this. It's if I were to drive my truck down a dirt road, and this kind of sounds like a country song, but uh, this, is a, this is me driving my truck down the dirt road back and forth every day, right? When I do that, what's gonna happen to the dirt after I do it over and over? It's gonna start ruts and divots, right? And so what happens the next time I'm driving that road and my tire gets really close to that divot? It's gonna fall into it and I'm gonna be stuck on that same pathway that I've taken before. And so that's how I think, much like those divots in the road, our thought patterns create divots in our brain that cause us to go down the same path that we've taken many times before. So for instance, you're driving in this lovely Murfreesboro traffic and somebody cuts you off. You've got that automatic thought that happens, right? And it's probably gonna be attacking that person's character, right? <laughs> You're gonna think like, wow, what a rude person. That was inconsiderate. They could have hit me. They've put me in danger. And you kind of go down these thought patterns over and over. What about that person at work who just gets under your skin, okay? I know we all have a Michelle Holtzclaw at our workplace, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't tell her I said that. Oh, that person under your, who gets under your skin uh, you know, you've got those thoughts that kind of come naturally. You're like, you know, you attack that person's character again. They're like, wow, they're so rude and they're so offensive. You know, and you go down this path and we're creating divots in our brain that create these thought patterns over and over and over. And it becomes so hard to get out of that thought pattern. And so here is the scripture of God, the word of God who's saying, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we know that in... Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy, we learn how to cut those thoughts off. So when that person cuts you off in traffic, you're no longer attacking their character and their values. You're realizing that you need to put scripture to how you see that person. And you say, oh, wow, they're a child of God just like I am. God loves them just as much as he loves me. And he died for them just the way he died for me. And all of a sudden you're feeling different because you've changed your thoughts. And you're behaving different because you've changed your feelings and you perceive the situation differently in light of scripture. A person who gets under your skin, oh wait, I'm a new creation in Christ. I am in Christ, therefore brand new. I've put off the old and put on the new, and now I have new skin, and that person can no longer get under my skin, amen? So we become aware of what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our head, what am I thinking, what am I feeling, and then we correct the negative thought patterns and we make them obey Christ. So step number one is being aware. Step number two, expose the lies. Step number two, expose the lies. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. 
They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So we're seeing really strong language from Paul here, and we see this uh, law of substantiation. We're seeing that be, uh, why are they darkened in their understanding and why are they separated from a life with God? It is because of the ignorance that is in them. What's ignorance? It's just that. It's not understanding, not having knowledge, and it's hardening their hearts because of their ignorance. Reading on verse 20, and this is us. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So talk to me for a minute. What are some common lies that we Christians buy into sometimes? What are some common lies that we have begun to believe in this life? Like maybe I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, give me some. What are some lies that we believe? I'll wait. Not smart enough, absolutely, that's me. What? Shouldn't be here, yeah. Any others? What? Not worthy, absolutely. That's one I've got written down here. God can't use me, I'm worthless. He's, I'm not able to be effective for his purposes. There's a word that psychologists use for this lie. It's called cognitive distortion. I've talked about this before in sermons. These cognitive distortions, we put a name to them and we're able to see them for what they are. And it makes it, uh, it helps us so much in becoming more aware of what's going on and exposing those lies that we buy into every single day. One cognitive distortion that, that uh, I've, I've noticed in my own life is called disqualifying the positive. And it means exactly what it sounds like, right? It's somehow I ignore the positive things in my life or a specific encounter I had with somebody or maybe uh, daily situations, maybe uh, at your workplace. I'm ignoring the positive things and I'm becoming hyper-focused on the negative aspects. It's more than just pessimism. It's not a general attitude. It's an active thought process that most of us in this room, I think, have done in some way or another. For example, I'm in my second semester of seminary and I'm often submitting assignments and papers and such. And generally, you know, I'm doing pretty well. I make good grades, thankfully. And uh, the professor always gives us feedback, right? And so most of the time that, that feedback is, is 100% or 99% positive, but then there's that one corrective comment that teachers need to make because they're teaching us, right? What do you think the one thing that I'm focused on for an hour after that is? It's not the positive, it's the negative. You guys ever do that with anything? Okay, good, I'm glad I'm not alone there. What about when we scroll social media, right? That's where we live most of the day, right? We're on social media, and we see the friend who's buying their brand new custom dream home. We see the friends whose kids are making straight A's. They lost uh, 50 pounds in a week. I mean, all these, these people, and uh, you know, we take in this information and we're assigning meaning to it and it's, it's, it's reaffirming the, the feelings and the thought that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I, I wish I had their motivation. I wish I had their self-discipline. 
And we begin to believe these lies and we disqualify the positive things in our own lives. Now, I think, church, that we've allowed so many outside forces to shape our minds and we need the Holy Spirit to do a major overhaul on our minds. That takes us to our final step. Step three, allow perspective shift. So we've become aware of what's going on in our mind. We have exposed the lies. We've spoken truth over the lies. And now finally, we allow the perspective shift. And I, I said allow perspective shift because we can't change our own perspective. We are allowing, this is a passive happening of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Romans 12, two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and accepted, acceptable and perfect. So there's a difference between learning truth and changing perspective. If we are in Christ, we have been renewed in our minds so that we think differently. It's an automatic reaction. We are now given the capability to think like Christ. We have been given access to the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And we learn truth and we spend time in God's word daily and it's so important. But we also depend on the working of the Holy Spirit continually renewing our minds daily. Any parents of teenagers in the room know that a big part of our job is shifting perspective. A while back, I'm not gonna name names, but a while back, uh, there was a, a teen at my house who lives there, and uh, he was kind of mouthing at me a little bit. And, uh, you know, I just kind of sat back and thought, I was like, you are getting grumpy with me while you're holding the phone that I bought you, wearing the clothes that I paid for, standing in the house that I'm buying. You know, like, it was just like, it's this perspective shift that we need to get. And that's what we do with God, right? We complain so much, and, and he's like, remember who you are and remember who I am. It's not a guilt thing, it's a change in perspective, right? It's remembering who I am, who we are in this big picture, and remembering that, remembering that we are not God. We receive that perspective shift through what? Through the, the things of God, right? Prayer, scripture, church community, and so we get into God's word daily and we know the truth that he's spoken and is continually speaking over our lives. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, beloved, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's pleasing, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This scripture has been so good for me in the past couple years. It kind of started with the shutdown of 2020 and, and it's, uh, it's such a relief for me to know that I don't have to be always thinking about these lofty theological things of God, you know, and, and you and I don't have to be pondering the deep revelations and mysteries of God. And God is just saying, listen, are there things in your life that are pure? Are there things in your life that are excellent? Can you do things excellently? What's commendable? What's pleasing? What's honorable? Think about those things. Focus on those things. Those things come from God and it's okay to, to be focused on those. In closing, I wanna offer just one final thought. Um, there are two harmful ideals that, that we Christians are at risk for kind of buying into on this subject of, of thought life and mental health and all that. And uh, I've been guilty of both of these, but this first harmful ideal is that mental health is always a spiritual issue. And it's a lie, that is a lie that we need to expose. 
mental health is not always a spiritual issue. When we think this, when we buy into this idea, we, it kind of manifests in the Christian as guilt, right? Uh, if I just prayed more, I wouldn't have so much anxiety or depression or, or dread or whatever your, your struggle is. If I just prayed more, if I just had more faith, if I could pray with more faith, this thing would go away. And the truth is mental health is just incredibly complex. And there are many factors at play, brain chemistry and childhood trauma and all that. Um, but I think it's, it's harmful for us as a church to say to, to the world that mental health is just a spiritual issue. The second harmful ideal is, is kind of the other extreme of that that says mental health is never a spiritual issue. Sometimes it is. Sometimes when we have the spirit of God in us and we're not listening to that voice in our hearts, that kind of produces a disequilibrium sometimes in our lives. And, and uh, we need to come to God and repent and confess and, and do the things that we need to do. But when we think about mental health as never being a spiritual issue, it kind of causes us to neglect the things of, of God and, and it manifests as idolatry. And we, we uh, take medicine and we join the gym and we diet and we never bring our problems to God. And we've stopped praying because he's never healed us from this mental health thorn of ours. And so we've got to find some kind of happy ground here, this middle where we say sometimes mental health and, and our thought life is a spiritual issue, but sometimes it's not. The song that we sing sometimes, uh, Christ Be Magnified, uh, has this line in the bridge, I won't be formed by feelings, I'll hold fast to what is true. And I think that's that beautiful middle ground there that says, it doesn't mean we ignore our feelings, right? We gotta become aware of what's going on. First, that, that step one, but it doesn't mean that we are formed by them. Our feelings, our emotions are not Lord of our lives. This Jesus-shaped life involves learning to be shaped by the truth of the gospel above all else. Doesn't mean we suppress our negative thoughts and our negative feelings but it means that we are no longer formed by them. It takes courage to examine your heart. It takes courage to examine your motives. It's hard because we feel exposed and we, we oftentimes don't like what we see when we, we kind of look inward. And I think there's a courage in being aware of, of what's going on, a courage in exposing lies that you've believed in and, and courage in remembering truth and allowing God to shape and renew your mind title of this sermon is The Courage of Jesus, and, and it's truly, Jesus truly was the most courageous man who ever lived. We see him consistently in scriptures choosing truth over security and safety. He's often picking battles with the most powerful spiritual leaders of the day, motivated by the mission of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, truth to his followers, truth to us. I think about the time when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows his fate. He knows what's coming. He invites his closest friends to join him. He prays for strength for what's ahead. And remember, he's, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And so he's feeling everything that you and I might feel in those situations. And uh, I love what Matthew 26, 37 through 38 says. He says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
we see that acknowledgement of Jesus, right? His feelings didn't stop him from going to the cross, but he's certainly acknowledging them and he's talking to his friends and he's saying, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's feeling sorrowful, he's feeling anxious, he's feeling troubled, but ultimately he chose the cross. So his feelings weren't dictating him. His, his negative thought patterns didn't change what he knew he needed to do. So real quick, I want to think just big picture as we're wrapping up. When my life comes to an end, I want to be able to say that I was a good steward of all that God gave me. I wasn't blessed with model looks. I wasn't blessed with rock star talent and scholarly intellect, but I was given everything that I needed to have a satisfying, meaningful, and fulfilling life. And our minds are a battlefield between good and evil. And in our pursuit of this Jesus-shaped life, we must have Jesus-shaped minds. And I wanna be a good steward of my mind. I wanna be a good steward. I wanna be aware of what's going on in there. I wanna expose lies that maybe I've believed. I wanna live in truth, allowing the Holy Spirit to daily renew my mind. We're gonna have a time of altar call here in a minute. And uh, I would just encourage you, if you feel like you've maybe bought into some lies, maybe you've been distracted and not been really aware of what's going on in your mind, maybe uh, you've not allowed God to renew your mind today yet, I would just encourage you to come to the altar. Nobody's gonna judge you here and, and just uh, allow God to, to begin that good work in you this morning, that God can renew your mind today, that you can leave differently today than you came in here because a renewing mind is instant. And then we have to continually renew it day after day. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that we have access to the mind of Christ, that we have access to everything that we ever need to have success in this spiritual walk with you, God. I pray that you would begin to shape our minds, Lord. Forgive us for the ways that we have allowed media and advertisement and, and so many things to shape our minds. God, we wanna be shaped by you. We wanna think like you. We want to be aware of what's going on. We wanna expose the lies and we wanna be renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit once again. God, I thank you for, for doing what only you can do this morning. We love you. We, we are vulnerable with you this morning. We open up ourselves to your working and to your moving, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing one more song. You guys are welcome to stand. And, and again, the altar's open if you need it.